This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning and welcome to Community Connection. We are very happy to have with us today Dr. Greg Ward from OSF. And uh, when we had our conversation on Monday with the domestic violence uh, uh, shelter in Danville, we talked about October being very important with two different events, one domestic violence awareness, but also breast cancer awareness. So we are happy to have Dr. Ward with us to talk about breast health, breast cancer, all of the different things that go with it. Dr. Ward, thank you for being here. It's my pleasure, Laura. Thanks for having me on and uh, giving me a chance to let people know a little bit more about uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month and breast cancer. So, Dr. Ward, tell us about your background. So, I trained in New York and Chicago, uh, practiced in Chicagoland for over 25 years. Um, was not really happy with the state of affairs uh, in medicine in Chicagoland. I won't go into the details, but it's 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 devolved instead of evolving. And yet, I do have family in the Chicagoland area and a grandchild coming, so didn't want to be too far away. And so, Champaign-Urbana was a perfect uh, opportunity. So that's how yeah. I ended up here. Okay. So, how long have you been here? Uh, just about six months at this point. So, yeah, fairly new. Well, welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, however, I did carry my interest in breast care from Chicago. I've been involved over 20 years in the American Society of Breast Cancer. Uh, 15 years, uh, I did extra training to be certified. And uh, we, we use basically a small core or needle to biopsy the breast either with mammographic guidance or ultrasound guidance and uh, I got certified nationally to do both of those um, and uh, was president of the American Cancer Society while I was in Chicagoland area as well. So I have a, a long and continuing interest in cancer in general and breast cancer in particular. So Dr. Ward, what's the, what's the prevalence of breast cancer? Well, I mean, from a 30,000 foot view, you know, one in eight women will get breast cancer in their lifetime. So it's a, it's a fairly common cancer. 300,000 were diagnosed with breast cancer in 2023, or at least that's predicted if the trend continues. And uh, 43,000 women will die from breast cancer in 2023. So it is not an uncommon problem. Um, so... Dr. Ward, I'm, I've just celebrated my five years of being breast cancer free. So I was very, very lucky. I had the, uh, I think it was the 3D imaging and they caught, uh, a can, they caught the cancer very, very quickly. Um, I only ended up having to, to have a lumpectomy, which I, it was just a blessing and nothing was in my, um, my lymph nodes, et cetera. So, you know, to say I'm a survivor, sounds kind of dramatic for me, but I, I was just so blessed because it was caught early. So what I really want to advocate for people to understand, you have to get checked. And, you know, it, it crosses both men and women, which was surprising to me. Great. Well, congratulations. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that story. Uh, and it does kind of dovetail in with 
the idea that, you know, in the 80s and 90s, the incidence of breast cancer actually went up. But the death rate went down significantly because we were finding all these cancers because we were pushing screening and mammograms, and these breast cancers were getting caught earlier. So even though the numbers went up of total cases, folks were doing much better because they were getting caught earlier as you were. And, and also the tomosynthesis, or what some people call 3D, um, is, is something that gives us uh, a little more detail. But uh, if you only have 2D available, that's fine. What we found so far in studies is that cancers aren't missed by the 2D, but you have fewer callbacks. What, what happens is with a 2D, you have to come back for compression views. So if you have the tomosynthesis or 3D available, it, it is a better way to go. You're less likely to come back for extra views, but bo both will find a problem. Uh, so then going on, you know, in the 2000s, um, mammogram rates started to go down slightly, but so the cancer rates went down as well. And I think that one of the reasons for that is we were changing how women were treated with the menopausal hormone therapy. Um, we were lowering doses or avoiding it or minimizing the number of years. So again, if you take it, those numbers together, from 1990 to 2020, breast cancer mortality went down 42%. And it's because of what you mentioned with your story. It's caught earlier because we're doing the screening. Screening works. And that's one of the reasons we have Breast Cancer Awareness Month, because there's a natural tendency in humans to kind of stick your head in the sand. And whether it's from fear, you don't want to know, or some other stigma culturally, uh, people avoid it. But, but you know, we know screening works. And so we're, Breast Cancer Awareness is about getting the conversation going with family, friends, and loved ones about the importance of screening the positive stories like yours to encourage folks to participate. And by the way, uh, the whole month is Breast Cancer Awareness, but the 20th of October is Pink Ribbon Day and, and wear something to work that's pink, uh, again, to stimulate conversation, to, to get people understanding the importance. Because, you know, even with the awareness we've had and the success we've had, <clears throat> women greater than 55%, or I'm sorry, greater than 55 years old, uh, only 75% are up to date on mammograms. Uh, now, it doesn't mean they haven't had a mammogram, but at that age, you're supposed to get every two years. Maybe it's been three or four years. <clears throat> and the same number, it's even higher in women under 55. Uh, it's more frequent. It's every year. But the 50% 50, 50 of women in that age group are behind in their screening mammograms. So we've made tremendous work forward improvements but we have we have room for further we have opportunity for for better participation and folks may not know but we suggest starting mammograms at the age of 40 and from 40 to 54 it's an annual mammogram and then at 55 we go to every two years until 75 and then we recommend unless you have a physical finding to uh, to hold off on on just screening if if girls have history within their family, um, a mother, a grandmother that's had breast cancer, should they start earlier or more often? 
Well, if you have, there are a couple factors. One, if you have three first degree relatives, aunt, sisters, mom, um, or um, you know, you, one or two that had it diagnosed at, at 35, for example, you know, uh, at an early age, then, then we can alter it. And as far as radiologically, you know, the breast until maybe 35 or 40 is so dense that it's tough to do mammograms. So we may do ultrasound or in some cases, if the risk is really high, MRI. Uh, but that's a patient-to-patient discussion. But certainly uh, it's in the equation. If you have three first-degree relatives, we're going to alter how we screen. Uh, and even uh, depending on how how many cases of breast cancer, including also prostate, pancreas, cancer, uh, ovarian cancer in the family, we may guide you to genetic testing. But uh, in general, uh, we, we just start with increased screening at a younger age with maybe a different modality. Okay, good information. Well, let's take our first break and then we'll come back and continue the conversation. Welcome back to Community Connection. Today we are with Dr. Greg Ward from OSF, and we are talking about breast health with October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So, Dr. Ward, you were talking about some of the different prevention measures um, with the mammograms. What about self-checks? How important is that? Yeah, so uh, quite important. So a few things. Uh, as far as early detection, if, if we catch breast cancers early, it's 99% curable. So uh, the mammograms we spoke of, the screening we spoke of, the importance thereof. Another number we didn't get to in the last segment was as far as male breast cancer, it represents 1% of all breast cancers. So it's a low number. And for men, basically, they don't have any type of routine screening. If they feel a lump or other problem, they should bring it to their doctor's attention. But unless they notice something, uh, there's no need for screening in men. So going on to what women can do for breast self-exam, the, the fact is that 20% of breast cancers won't be picked up radiologically until fairly late. So 20% of the time, a woman on breast self-exam or on her physician's annual breast exam uh, may pick up a tumor before the screening will. So, so breast self-exam is important. And, and you're looking for things from nipple discharge to nipple scaling to some skin dimpling or just a lump that wasn't there. The important thing is it, it can be frustrating for a woman because they're going to feel things, you know, breasts are lumpy, bumpy, uh, and, and it scares women, but they have to be persistent and get to know your normal. And so, you know, don't do anything for three to six months, just examine the breast. And if you're consistent with it, you'll get to know what your breast feels like. And then you'll appreciate if there's a change. But it can be frustrating and intimidating. But, uh, you know, it's important that a woman continues uh, and kind of works through that frustration and anxiety. And, and we'll get to know what her baseline exam is. As I said, get to know her normal. Um, and I mentioned already annual exams are an important part of the armamentorium. Uh, and uh, it's important that, you know, your provider does a thorough exam, that they examine the whole breast. They can either do it radially, like 
going out on the, on the face of a clock or up and down, but uh, they should examine you both in the sitting and lying down position, uh, some sort of pattern that covers the entire breast, and then also checking under the arms. Uh, and if you're not getting a thorough exam like that, then you should see a breast specialist. Mm -hmm. So with if someone has came in and, and they've, get, they've gotten that call back, we've seen something, you need to come back, what happens from that point? So um, let, let's assume that there's either a lump that was felt or an abnormality on the mammogram that wants to for further investigation. We, we then need tissue. Now, it's funny, talk about how things have evolved and we'll get into the surgical treatment and how it's changed over the years. But for biopsies, when I was in medical school, a woman would come in the night before, be admitted to the hospital, go down for general anesthesia to get a biopsy, and then go home the next day. So it was like 48 hours in the hospital for what now we do with a needle as uh, an outpatient where you can drive yourself, a little local anesthesia. And as I mentioned earlier, sometimes we look under the ultrasound to find this or sometimes we'll do a mammogram, but we just do cores, uh, small cores, and then we get an answer two days later from the area that we're interested in. Uh, and if it does come back cancer, then we start to talk about different options. But you know, before I get into that, I wanted to touch bases on you know risk factors. We didn't really get into risk factors and. The number one risk factor is being female. But the other thing folks don't realize is age is the number two risk factor. The older we get up until about 60, our incidence of breast cancer keeps going up. Other things that place you at a little higher risk are uh, late first pregnancy or early first period. We talked about family history. Interestingly, something people don't talk about is taller women over five, six, versus shorter women under 5'1", have a 20% increase of breast cancer, probably due to the hormones of puberty. Um, but so, so there are risk factors you need to be aware of, but there are other things that we don't talk about as much as the, the mitigating or what you can do to lower your risk factor. Exercise, regular exercise lowers 10 to 20% your chance of getting risk uh, of breast cancer. Um, weight, you know, not carrying excessive weight can significantly decrease it. The Mediterranean diet, which is plant-based, uh, unsaturated fats like olive oil instead of animal fat, significantly lower uh, risk factor of developing breast and other cancers for that matter. Uh, limiting alcohol intake is another thing folks can do to lower the risk factor. Breastfeeding actually lowers risk factor breast cancer and, and avoiding processed foods. So, um, so let's say, though, we did the mitigating or reduced the risk, but we still got breast cancer in our biopsy. Just like the biopsies have improved or evolved over the last 30 years, so has the treatment. Uh, back when the folks were admitted, uh, for their breast biopsy. Sometimes they went right to a mastectomy that, that day under the same general anesthesia, not even knowing the result of their biopsy. It was just understood. The doctor talked to them and we do a biopsy. If it's positive, we're going right to mastectomy. Uh, that obviously is no longer the case, nor is, is mastectomy the first option. 
um, you know, what's called breast conservation therapy or lumpectomy allows us just to remove the actual tumor and a rim of normal tissue around it. Uh, it's important if you do with that option, you will need radiation therapy. And as long as you get the radiation therapy, the results, the, the cure rate and the recurrence rate are the same, whether you do mastectomy or the breast conservation. Interestingly though, a third of folks uh, still choose mastectomy. Um, and 20% of women with breast cancer uh, are choosing a double mastectomy. And, and we're theorizing it's because screening uh, has found these cancers at a younger age. Uh, younger women, uh, it's surprising, but would rather take care of the, the breast that caused the problem uh, and go with the option of reconstruction. Now, if you're going to do that, I would suggest you wait until you're done having children. Uh, if you're going to do prophylactic work. But but it's just interesting. If you look at the numbers, mastectomy and reconstruction in 1998, it was 12% of patients. It's 36% uh, in about 2015. So it's surprising, but it is a personal choice. The, the survivor uh, and recurrence are the same. So you can go either way. I, I, it's just surprising to me that more and more women are choosing a more aggressive surgical approach. But the, really, the take-home message, it's a personal choice. The results are the same whether you do breast conservation or a lumpectomy. You, you know, I think it's a fear, and I think it also goes to, you know, the old wives' tales. You're, you're just listening, and you're basing things off of what you've heard in the past because typically, you know, the, that was something you really didn't talk about. Now, more and more... And the older I get, the more and more, you know, the society is becoming open to, yeah, you can say breasts and you can say you know, all these different things. I, I think people, I think that old wives tells just kind of hang in there that, uh, you know, you, you should just have them both. I don't know. Again, not based on research. And so that's why it's really good to have these conversations for people to hear and to understand um, what it means and what the options are. Yeah, and even if you have a larger tumor that in the past wouldn't be a candidate for breast conservation, we can do what's called neoadjuvant treatment, which we give the chemo and radiation before the surgery and shrink the tumor to the point where you will become a candidate for breast conservation. So, um, again, even for larger tumors, breast conservation is an option if, if that's what the patient prefers. Okay, really good information. Let's take our last break and then we'll come back and finish the show. Welcome back to the final segment of Community Connect. Connect. Yeah, whatever the name of our show is, welcome back to it. And we have Dr. Greg Ward with us. He is with OSF and we are talking about breast health. And so, Dr. Ward, we have a few minutes left, and we've had some really good takeaways from the conversation. But if someone's just joining us, um, what, what are some important things for women and men both to know about breast health? Well, I would think the first thing is uh, what we touched upon as we left the last segment, and that is to not go with old wives tales and cultural stigmas that is kind of the idea of breast cancer awareness month to bring this to the table 
so that we discuss it openly and are not afraid to get your mammogram, afraid to discuss surgical options with both cancer, breast cancer survivors. There, there are great support groups where a woman with a new diagnosis can speak to women who have gone through this, have taken both the approach of a more invasive surgery or a lumpectomy, breast conservation, and what the experience was like and talk to people a year out, 10 years out. So use your resources uh, of support groups, uh, talk to your providers, but during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, let, let's make an effort to talk about this problem so it doesn't kind of get brushed under the carpet. So we get people involved in their health care and they get their screenings done and we can continue to lower uh, the breast cancer, the invasive breast cancer, and catch these earlier and increase survivorship. The other thing I would mention is there just some, another great resource is the Susan G. Komen website. Uh, that has a tremendous amount of information that's it's detailed, but it's at a level that can be understood by the layperson, but it's very thorough. So that's a great resource if you just want to get online. Um, so yeah, those are some thoughts. Dr. Ward, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on the show and taking time to share with us today. And audience, you know, we can't stress how important it is to make sure you are doing the preventive and the screening. Um, it wasn't easy to go through all the different things that I went through personally, but what I did was minor compared to what many, many people in our area have went to. And like Dr. Ward said, they are very willing to talk about their experiences. They're willing to talk about what happened. They're willing to show you what things look like. They're willing to just, you know, really walk hand in hand through the process with you. So make sure you're reaching out, but most importantly, make sure you're doing the prevention. Make sure you're you're making sure that you're getting your exams. If you don't know where to get them or you don't understand how, reach out, find out, ask questions, and advocate for your health because um, if you don't, you won't have that opportunity. Dr. Ward, thank you so much. Laura, my pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Audience, we'll be back in the morning with another show. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Get online, do some research, talk to people, wear pink. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.